This is Carib Update Prime Time for Friday, October 16, 2020. I am Wendy Chateau reporting. In today's Prime Time report, St. Lucia closes all schools amid new COVID-19 case. Trinidad Prime Minister defends Venezuela policy as he slams into the opposition in Port of Spain. Keith Rowley dismisses suggestions for open-door policy for migrants. Dominica's Prime Minister not surprised by election petition court ruling. Details of these stories and more straight ahead. Now for the details. As St. Lucia records its 32nd COVID-19 case in a 14-year-old boy, the government there has announced that all schools will remain closed to help contain the spread of the virus. The student is the son of the recently diagnosed cases 30 and 31. In a statement, the Ministry of Education announced that all schools across the islands will remain closed for one week, while the Castries Comprehensive Secondary School, the school which the student attends, will remain closed for two weeks. Meanwhile, Prime Minister Alan Chastney has shot down suggestions of a possible lockdown given the country's COVID-19 status. According to Chastney, a lockdown would be a last resort. He also made it clear that he will not be intimidated by anyone who says the rights of people are being taken away. According to the Prime Minister, the letter of the law will be imposed on anyone who does not comply with COVID-19 protocols. Trinidad and Tobago's Prime Minister, Dr. Keith Rowley, has defended his government's position on Venezuela in a public address where he accused the opposition in Port of Spain of acting against the national interest. In a post-debate address in his constituency Thursday night, Rowley said the opposition United National Congress has consistently opposed the government's attempts to enter gas trade arrangements with its neighboring countries. He also suggested that the UNC had backed the position of some nations that Juan Guaido is the president in Caracas. Venezuelan gold was seized by the British government. You know, last week, the Venezuelan government took the British government to court in Britain, to the appeal court. And you know what the ruling was? The ruling was in England, done by the British court in England, that there is no President Guaido, and that the legal president of Venezuela is Maduro. Have you heard anything from the UNC since? The people who were undermining our foreign policy, undermining our future, by telling us that we must declare support for President Guaido? But of course, if Kamala Prasad Bissasa was Prime Minister of Trinidad and Tobago, that is what they would have done. But we didn't need a British court to tell us who the president of Venezuela was. All we had to do was to stand on our principle of non-interference and non-intervention and under the United Nations Charter. Rowley said the principal stances on Venezuela by his government and other nations avoided mayhem in its closest neighbor. While we were quite properly under the United Nations, refusing to join foreign nations with powerful armies and navies, to attack Venezuela and to create mayhem for us here in Trinidad and Tobago because we know all along if you want to see Venezuelans awash in Trinidad let there be military action in Venezuela and the United States invade Venezuela then you will know a Bali grow in Trinidad and Tobago we discourage the United States and Canada and Britain and Belgium and Holland from doing that 
Norway stood with us. Uruguay stood with us. The CARICOM position was led by your Prime Minister and the Prime Minister of Barbados went to the United Nations and said, we do not agree. Canada's position was time for talk done. We are supporting President Guaido. Europe gave Venezuela eight days for Maduro to leave office. And the U.S. was publishing how many troops to go to Venezuela. Trinidad and Tobago's Prime Minister, Keith Rowley. Trinidad's Prime Minister, Dr. Keith Rowley, says under no circumstances will Trinidad and Tobago implement an open-door policy to migrants. Rowley made the comment late Thursday during a virtual conference hosted by the Association of American Chambers of Commerce in Latin America and the Caribbean, themed forecast for Latin America and the Caribbean. The Prime Minister said that his country continues to control its borders and the number of migrants that it can manage best, given the current circumstances TNT faces. However, Rowley said there still remains a flow of illegal migrants into TNT, warning that they will be repatriated if caught. He noted, however, there are lots of uh, Venezuelans and TNT contributing to the country's labor force. Rowley said given the hardship in Venezuela, Trinidad had initially received a small portion of migrants from that country and accommodated them with a helping hand. Dominica's Prime Minister Roosevelt Skerritt has accused the opposition of using the election petitions they filed challenging the results of the 2019 general elections as an abuse of the process. On Wednesday, High Court Judge Ralston Glasgow struck out. Trinidad's Prime Minister Dr. Keith Rowley says under no circumstances will Trinidad and Tobago implement an open-door policy to migrants. Rowley made the comment late Thursday during a virtual conference hosted by the Association of American Chambers of Commerce in Latin America and the Caribbean, themed forecast for Latin America and the Caribbean. The Prime Minister said that his country continues to control its borders and the number of migrants that it can manage best, given the current circumstances TNT faces. However, Rowley said there still remains a flow of illegal migrants into TNT, warning that they will be repatriated if caught. He noted, however, there are lots of uh, Venezuelans and TNT contributing to the country's labor force. Rowley said given the hardship in Venezuela, Trinidad had initially received a small portion of migrants from that country and accommodated them with a helping hand. Dominica's Prime Minister Roosevelt Skerritt has accused the opposition of using the election petitions they filed challenging the results of the 2019 general elections as an abuse of the process. On Wednesday, High Court Judge Ralston Glasgow struck out all 10 election petitions filed by the United Workers' Party challenging the results of the 2019 general elections in Dominica. In relation to costs, the courts are usually hesitant to award costs on election petitions. However, I find good reason to depart from this general principles on these applications to strike out the petitions. That the petitioners have repeated most of the contentions verbatim on all 10 petitions. The petitioners could have easily placed these environments on one or two, two petitions. The cost and expense of responding to 10 petitions was, in my view, unnecessarily and somewhat unmindfully imposed on the applicants. Scarrett said his party always maintained that Dominica conducted a free and fair election. These elections were recognized as being free and fair by the Commonwealth uh, Secretariat, by the Organization of American States, 
by the CARICOM and also a mission out of Latin America. And the people of Dominica exercise their franchise without fear, no fear whatsoever. And the petitions that were submitted to the courts by the United Workers Party is really an abuse of the process. It is, it is uh, shameful, uh, disgusting, all in an attempt to give their small base, their narrow base, the impression that um, there's an p- opportunity for the courts to decide elections in the country. Meanwhile, senior counsel Tony Astafan said the ruling did not come as a surprise. Judge to express his, his, his dissatisfaction with the nature of the allegations that were filed ordered the petitioners to pay $5,000 costs. He said that generally costs is not awarded in these matters, but he had to, to make the petitioners and understand that he was very unhappy with several, if not most, of the allegations that they had brought. The talk is now over about corruption at the poll, bearing in mind that the observers had said to us that the elections that they observed was free and fair and reflected the will of the people. That has now been confirmed by the fact that Lennox Linton and his political party and lawyers were not able to plead an identifiable cause of action to show that the election was not free and fair and did not reflect the the, the will of, of, of the people. He said the judge's decision sends a message to the opposition United Workers' Party. This is now the third election, 205, 209, 2019, that election petitions have been struck out. Uh, Election petitions that were filed by the United Workers' Party have been struck out at the earliest possible opportunity. Both of the elections petitions challenging the results of the 2020 general elections in Guyana could be resolved in less than a year. That's according to APNU and AFC Member of Parliament Royce Dale Ford. Ford explained that the two petitions which have been filed by supporters of the APNU and AFC are very different from previous petitions. He said the circumstances are now very different also, and he believes that uh, will make the difference in the timeline for the cases to be heard and completed. The first election petition that has been filed deals only with a simple legal question, a question that was repeatedly argued in the litigation before the declaration was made by the Elections Commission, and on each and every step when it was raised, the courts told us that that was a matter for an election petition. That is the question of the validity of the recount, the validity of the recount's order or the 60th 2020, and whether it was competently made under Section 22 of the Election Laws Amendment Act. The other election petition deals with the recount and the findings that were set out in the observation reports and the report of the chief election officer that said the election results lacked credibility. The Elections Commission itself has engaged in a process in which would have provided each and every party to these elections with the necessary information. Therefore, that forms part of the elections petition. We have presented that information to the court, ballot box by ballot box. 
As the by-election vote for the St. George North seat draws near, Barbados Labour Party's nominee Tony Moore continued to face backlash for her role as head of the Labour Union. Critics have blasted Moore, saying she let down workers by accepting only a 5% salary increase for public servants in 2018. However, speaking at a BLP meeting on Thursday, Moore disputed the suggestion, saying that the increase was the result of years of effort. Moore said while 15% was initially requested following a policy decision by the Executive Council of the Union, considering the economic difficulties the country was experiencing at the time, the percentage was adjusted. We asked for a 15% increase. And in 2018, having asked in 2012, nothing happened. 2016, nothing happened. And came back in 2018, under some serious economic challenges, having been downgraded after receiving downgrade after downgrade after downgrade under an administration, and having seen so much economic downturn in the country, we settled for 5% from our indicative 15 at a time where other private sector companies were given lump sum payments to workers and not even increases. This is Carib Update Primetime from the Carib Update News Service. Still to come, Barbados' health minister takes dim view of U.S. characterization of its COVID status. In more news, Barbados has taken a dim view. Uh In more news, Barbados has taken a dim view of the U.S. slapping the country as a level three COVID risk tag in suggesting that Americans avoid non-essential travel there. This week, the United States Center for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, named only five islands and territories in the region it claims are safe to travel since it views the COVID-19 risks there as low. But Barbados was not one of them. Speaking at a public political meeting Thursday night in St. George North, Barbados' health minister, Jeffrey Bostic, suggested Barbados has managed the COVID-19 challenge better than the United States. The United States is operating within their sovereign right to do whatever they want with us when it comes to COVID. So if they want to COVID blacklist Barbados, because we've been able to keep COVID out of all of our hospitals, including geriatric hospitals, let them do that. If they want to COVID blacklist Barbados, because we have testing kits and we do a lot more testing per capita than they're doing, let them COVID blacklist Barbados. But I am happy, I am happy to live in a country that you and you and you can go and get a COVID test tomorrow and get it back in less than 24 hours. There are some countries that it takes 10 days and 11 and 12 days and I ain't calling any country by name. Scotia Bank on Wednesday reached a deal to sell its operations in Antigua and Barbuda to a local bank there, ending a standoff with the Antigua and Barbuda government. In 2018, the Trinidad-based Republic Financial Holdings Limited announced that it was seeking to acquire the Scotiabank operations in several Caribbean islands, including Guyana, Antigua and Barbuda, Dominica, Grenada, St. Lucia, and St. Vincent and the Grenadines. But Antigua's Prime Minister insisted that a local entity be given priority in the sale. And by the way, we're not giving Scotiabank any vesting order. They're not getting it. I responded and said, if you lock it down, I tell the Antiguan and Barbudans, um, bondholders and those who have loans not to pay. 
Scotia Bank, which has two branches and fewer than 75 staff in the island, said that the operations will be sold to the locally based Eastern Caribbean Amalgamated Bank Limited. The terms of the deal were not disclosed. These have been some of the biggest developments from across the region. For more news, log on to caribupdatenews.com. Caribupdate Primetime is a production of the Caribupdate News Service. I am Wendy Chateau.